Rule Church Podcast. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He is honored and I get the glory. And by the way, it's even better because you see that building in Perryville, Arkansas? You see that one in Pachote, Mexico? Do you see that one in Tuxla, Guterres, down there in Chiapas? That building has my son's name on it. The church is not a democracy. It's a monarchy. Christ is king. You can't be Christian without a local church. You can't do anything better than to bend your knee and bow your heart, turn from your sin and repentance, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and join up with a good Bible-believing church and spend your life serving Jesus in a local, visible congregation. Welcome back to the Rural Church Podcast. It's been a minute, Eddie. Been exactly that. I don't know. If, I think it's been shorter than that. <laughs> hey, look, we got Wes on again. Hello there. Yeah. Welcome to the Rural Church Podcast. I am your co-host, Alan Nelson, pastor of Perryville Second Baptist Church in Central Arkansas. And with me is my good friend, partner in ministry, great brother, Eddie Ragsdale. Say hello, Eddie. Hello, everyone. And we have with us Wes Brown from Plummerville. Baptist Church, or First, is it First Baptist Plummerville or just Plummerville Baptist Church? Uh, it's First Baptist. First Baptist Plummerville. Best Baptist. Yeah, Best Baptist. Superior yeah. but humble Baptist. That's what you're going to name your church. <laughs> First of all, I don't have a church, Eddie. The Lord Jesus is the owner and proprietor of all his churches. But That's right. Anyway. Let's break into a Amen. <laughs> Amen. We're talking about George Whitfield, and to, to catch up, you have to listen to the last episode. Uh, why you should li- read about guys and, and some of the resources we recommended. But where we ended on the last episode is we we got to Whitfield's conversion. He's converted in seventeen thirty five, and so we pick up there. What do we need to know about Whitfield after his conversion? Well, I'll tell you just. Uh... I, I guess I, I need to get used to the pacing or how quick it needs to be because that we got to point one. Yeah, I think Whitfield is such a, a great study, uh, and I've got like one, two, three, four, about five or six more that I think make him uh, a, an excellent study for for Christians and for pastors. Well, if lead we, us through them, brother. If we yeah, if we go if we go long. Then we'll just have to uh, at a different time th- do another episode. But okay, why don't you then, Mister Whitfield Scholar, take us through? No. Take us through. Let's go. Let's talk. Th- let's talk through your points. What's what's point two then? Or did we finish I, point one? I roundly reject that title. Uh, <laughs> it's false. But let's be honest, Wesley the Whitfield Scholar. That sounds pretty cool. That does sounds pretty cool. <laughs> Around back to square one, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so regeneration, the doctrine of regeneration uh, in in Whitfield's life uh, is is so so sweet and comes through so clear, and his through the Holy Spirit discovery of it uh, shaped the the rest of his ministry. It shaped the rest uh, the rest of his life and his preaching especially. Whitfield never got off into the weeds of becoming a, a prof- professorial preacher. 
uh, of us, like a, a guy who only speaks to the the lofty in thought. He's always, and in every sermon you 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 read of his, he is so consistent in always turning and addressing the sinner and calling them to repent and calling them to uh, uh, to believe and to be born again. And so that can't be uh, that can't be skipped in Whitfield's life. He literally tried everything that he could uh, in the pursuit of saving himself or of uh, being good enough. And he came to the very edge of death. Mm. And that's where God showed him, you can't do it. It yeah. You must be born again. And it, and it stamped the rest of his life. But as you mentioned, uh, I think he's also a great example after he's saved of personal piety. Um, it's, it's amazing that, you know, when graduating from Oxford is a footnote in a man's life. It's something that like, we you talk about in Whitfield, like, oh yeah, that's when he was at Oxford. But the guy's an Oxford graduate, you know. Yeah. And uh so he he is a, a studious person. Um but the rest of his life he he has three books that he basically carries with him as he travels, and that's uh the Bible, uh the Greek New Testament, and Matthew Henry's commentary. Uh, on the Bible, and every morning, and I, I think for most of his life, it was it was about four thirty. He would get up, mm -hmm. spend an hour or how or or longer. He would spread those three books out in front of him, and he would he would read and spend time in the Word and and soak up the Word, and, and praying so, over praying over each word. <laughs> he said he he made it his goal to to read a word and pray and read a word and pray and read wow. a word pray and uh when you when you get to him in the the depths of his ministry preaching over well over seven times a week yeah multiple times every day of the week what the well he had to draw from came from uh his personal piety yeah any preacher who who has been preaching longer, uh, you know, than a year, and who preaches multiple times a week, you know that you run out of your own uh, storehouse of things to preach on fairly quickly. You know, the things you had saved up, and all of a sudden, then you 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 have to start growing something new. Otherwise, you're just cycling through, you know, a, a few sermons or you know that are series that you've you've got worked up and uh whitfield's preaching so much he, he doesn't have time to be a, a macarthur you know who spends uh you know 30 plus hours on a single sermon it's his personal it's his personal walk with the lord that that fuels and and gives him the ability to to preach and to preach and to preach at a pace that uh, none of us <laughs> have ever uh, have ever approached. You know, I, I've had a lot of pastors say, "Man, you know, you you preach three times a week." I, I just that's a that's a so much, you know. And I'm I'm like, I haven't even we're not you know, even scratching the. You know, Whitfield's raising his eyebrows. He's like, "I did that in a day." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, that was vacation. Yeah, 
Yeah, like let me let me just give a word of exhortation here. Uh, okay, so first of all, obviously Whitfield was gifted, and we're never exhorted in our in our preaching, you know, to go go be like Whitfield, go be like MacArthur, you know, like you need to preach like God's called you. But I will say this about Whitfield and something that I find with young men. Young men usually have a, a big zeal to preach, whereas they don't have the opportunity, you know. I say, look, while you don't have opportunity to preach, what you ought to be doing is studying, study, write sermons, take opportunities in nursing homes, things like that. Yep, yep. But but take ample opportunity to feel the bucket, as it were, to feel your heart and your soul with the scriptures. Read it like like. Let me just give this zinger if 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 you will if you're called if you think you're called to preach you haven't read through the bible set yourself set all preaching duties aside and finish the scriptures first right right Just yeah yeah fill yeah. yourself with the word of god know what it says and we see this uh exemplarily exemplar that's a hard word to say we see well, this I example and yeah. <laughs> I, I was I was sharing that with a brother the other day uh, uh, who's begun preaching and and he's, you know, so does street preaching, but he's begun preaching in the church. And, uh, and I told him, I said, man, you need to take those sermons and you need to get before other audiences. And the same thing you said, I said, nursing home, wherever you can get four or five people to sit in front of you and you could deliver that sermon, go do it. Uh, Cause that will make you a, that will make you a better preacher just preaching it more. And yeah. I said, you don't need to write. I said, I said, before you write 15 sermons, you need to preach each one of them three or four times. Find some different audiences um, where, where you can preach them. Don't think it has to be a Sunday morning or Sunday night behind the pulpit of your local church for it to be because God's word is going to be. And I don't mean... The, who cares what it does with those audiences? I'm saying God's word is going to be effective and it's going to be profitable to whoever you find to share it with. So go preach it. It's good for the preacher and the hearer. And that's even what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, this is going to be profitable for you and for your hearers. Yeah. And I think it's it's another great lesson is on, on how to how to study. Uh, because I think the way Whitfield studied the the Bible lent itself directly to his preaching, and for him it was he he from what I understand he he didn't divide up his day into like okay here I am reading the Bible for personal devotional use and here and now I am studying the Bible for sermon use and. Now, now here I'm going to, you know, break off a few minutes of my study to read it for personal use. And here, no, no, now I'm back in the study. He wanted to know what the Bible said and how that applies to his life. And that, that there's the essence of preaching. We declare what the Bible says and how that applies to the lives of our hearers. And so it... It trains you to not treat the Bible merely like a textbook. Hmm. It's always God's word. And yeah. never neglect that first and foremost, it's we're, we're, we want to know what it says because we want to know how it applies to our lives. And then, well, you know, 
nothing's overcoming you that's not common to man. Uh, and if it's applying to our life and convicting to us, then it's probably going to be convicting to, to someone else. As, Wes, as do you, Wes, do you think that, um, that Whitfield's zealous preaching was the product of that overflow of his, of his pietism in the word of, of his, his, the fact that he wasn't just sermonizing, it wasn't just got to crank one out for Sunday's coming kind of thing, yep. but rather just his devotion to God in the word was overflowing in his proclamation of the word when he stood before, well, let's be honest, usually for him, the congregation in the field rather than the church house. 100%. And you're a, you're a magician, Eddie, because that's right into what my third point on Whitfield was, which is passionate preaching. Yeah. What was in vogue in the day was uh, a rhetorical and uh, I guess ivory tower style preaching where you went to hear a, a preacher in order to be awed by his ability uh, to dissect and to use rhetorical devices uh, to make a point. And it was very dry. And because Whitfield's preaching was so unlike that and an overflow of his love for God, uh, I, I think that made it stand out all the more. And uh, so I, I absolutely think that the, those two things are connected. And yeah. because you, you guys know that preaching uh, peels back pretenses, consistent preaching. Mm -hmm. You know, any guy can work up a sermon uh to preach and and it be competent but when you're doing it week in and week out uh you're going to be found out your personal you know devotion and uh and your 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 own passion is going to be revealed because yeah. if if you you like i said you run out if, if you're just trying to to uh yeah, pull from a storehouse. I think about you know, like uh, the, you know, the 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 prepping movement. You know, if you if you're planned for the uh, for the apocalypse, is you're gonna store up ten thousand cans of baked beans. Mm. Uh, you're gonna starve. You're you're not gonna make it. Yeah. But if you're learning skills on how to produce food, on how to on how to produce things, then you have a, a lot bigger chance of, of making it. But you can't just think that you're going to put a, enough in your pantry that you're going to survive in a situation like that. You've got to you've got to work up skills to produce things, and in the same way. Uh, if you think that, you know, you're going to store up enough knowledge through some s season of your life when you're 18 to 22, uh, that you're then going to just draw from that well the rest of your life, uh, you've got another thing coming. It ain't happening. Yeah. So just to put some context here, 
we're recording this in the month of June. Uh, I, it's not going to come out in the month of June, but in in June of 1736, Whitfield is ordained in uh, in the Anglican Church, preaches his first sermon, but as we get into his life, he doesn't preach uh, inside very much because of his, uh, a couple of things that we might say. And, and one of these things is, is going to get him in trouble eventually. And, and, and Edwards later down the road is going to talk to him about it a little bit, but because he understands conversion. Okay. So let's say this about Whitfield. He is a man that understands what it means to be born again. And God brought him through that, like we've been talking. But because of his experience, he's very, very quick and willing to point out when other people are unconverted, particularly those in the ministry. Mm -hmm. And so this sort of fiery, like passionate preaching preaching as though people are converted or are unconverted, willing to insinuate or flat out open up that ministers in the Church of England are unconverted, winds up getting him a lot of closed doors in terms of preaching inside established churches. So then what happens, Mr. Scholar? He must be talking to Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Dr. Scholar. <laughs> I didn't know you're so easily offended. Oh, no way, man. Uh-uh. No, he he takes it. He takes it outside. Yeah. Takes the gospel and uh he starts preaching to the lost. Yeah. And and uh you know, to your point, I I, I, that's a good lesson from Whitfield that he had to learn himself uh, is you can j just because you're right. Doesn't mean everything that you're doing about it is right. And uh, so unconverted preachers was a problem in his day. Yeah. And, uh, right. And our that, day. And our day. Our day. But that, but that doesn't, that fact doesn't then give us license to do whatever we want to do. And, treat those men however we want to treat them or say whatever we want to say about them publicly. Yeah. And now let me, let's just be clear. Let's make some distinguishes here. There's clear apostasy and rejection of the gospel that we do call out, you sure. know? Yeah. So for example, just to make, make it clear, Wes is not saying y'all need to don't, don't say anything about Joel Osteen or something, you know, or, or Joyce Meyer or something. We're actually talking about closer to home. We, we believe in the Southern Baptist Convention, there are unconverted pastors. But there's a difference between that and saying from the pulpit, I know so-and-so is unconverted. And even later in the Great Awakening, people are going to take Whitfield's example and push it even further. And you have guys like, I think it's Richard Davenport, says that uh, he starts saying, you know, God tells him who's unconverted, right? Right. And so you see like one misstep from Whitfield and and then like the next generation, you know, takes it, takes it even further. But anyway, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves. So he begins preaching. Where, where is it? I, I don't have this pulled up. Where is it? He starts preaching with the minors. Uh, that's M-I-N-E-R-S. It's it. Uh, 
Is it more Keep full digging in the ground? You mean? Yeah, yeah. So, like he's not. Yeah, he he doesn't go to church camp, right? He's 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 preaching to actual miners, a hard group of people, and it's said that as he preaches and the crowds were gathering and these were hard blue collar, you know, alcohol consuming, drunken, you know, don't tell me nothing, foul mouth people. And as he's preaching, it says they're black faces because of all the, all, all the, you know, the stuff in the minds the the tears would run down their cheeks and create, you know, little white streaks down mm. their faces as they were converted to Christ. And that's an amazing thing during this time. Whitfield's really involved in revivals in England, Scotland, Wales, and the American colonies. And in these early days, what is happening under his preaching is not people are not walking an aisle, raising a hand, signing a card. Instead, check this out. They're actually being converted. They're being brought from death to life. They're coming to a saving knowledge of Christ. By the way, I'll just mention this and turn it back to you, Wes, but Whitfield, a fiery preacher, but don't let anyone say that that was separated from doctrine. He was a very doctrinal preacher on things like uh, original sin, the doctrine of regeneration, imputed righteousness, you know, the necessary, uh, the necessity of, of personally receiving Christ by faith. Boy, he was, uh, and, and, and by the way, in case someone, he was a staunch Calvinist, but he understood rightly so that true biblical Calvinism is experiential and fuels Christ exalting evangelism. That's right. I, I, it's a, it's a great, it's a great example of God's sovereignty and all that he will use to prepare a people to hear the gospel message. <clears throat> you know, he can use, uh, you know, a, a statue to the unknown God in Athens and and he can use years and a lifetime of of empty preaching and uh, nominal Christianity to prepare people as well these these people who they're you know these miners these uh, you know drunkards these people their whole lives considered themselves Christians because uh, they're English and all of a sudden, the man's this man stands up and starts talking about regeneration and and salvation and hope. And for the first time, they they get to hear that there's good news, and yeah. good news for you know being a a Christian or doesn't just doesn't mean that you become a, a pastor, a preacher, an Anglican priest. That there's there's hope for them for the minor. There's there's hope for all of these people. Uh, the gospels commanded to go out to them as well. This and, is uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, just just the the God God will, can use anything He wills to use. Amen. To draw and, people. To and and Whitfield was so, so God uses means too. So like 
don't be the type of brother that just says, well, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to stand, open the Bible, read the scripture, preach impassionately. I won't tell people to look to Christ. I'll just kind of give this general Jesus died for the elect or something like that. Okay. And to my knowledge, I don't know of any person in history that preached like that, that God blessed. Now, maybe a little pocket somewhere, you know, and, and God's word is powerful and God will use, as you say, he's sovereign. But what we see is that God's sovereignty utilizes means. And so Whitfield's passionate preaching and his study and his doctrine, and he truly was an evangelist. And of course, I'm getting ahead of myself, but like the dude gets on the ship to come over to the colonies. And by the time the, uh, the ship arrives, people are like, what happened on this ship? Right. Cause like he's going through catechism classes with the sailors. Like, by the way, you, you know, well, we make jokes about sailors, you know, because of how rough and, but he's, he's teaching them catechism, uh, question and answers. He's doing a choir with them on the way over. He's preaching on the ship. It's an amazing thing. Um, he's an evangelist. He's not just, he's not just one of those guys that preaches services and then, Hey, let's go eat at Denny's. Right? Like he, he is preaching because he wants to see people converted. In fact, I do have a, a quote from Whitfield or, uh, sorry, from, uh, JC Ryle. He said, Whitfield seemed to live only for two objects, the glory of God and the salvation of souls. You know, I think something that's important for us to remember, I think it's easy for us to look back at, at George Whitfield or or even all the way back to the scripture, Paul there in Athens, like you were talking about, Wes, and to think, well, yeah, that was the culture back then. Pe- people preached that that people, no, it wasn't. That's right. No, it, no wasn't. it wasn't. It was not. And uh, I had a missionary that that we were that we we're supporting Um that was in my office a couple of weeks ago because he was passing through and he's in Nepal and he street preaches every week. And he said, it's not the culture in Nepal for people to street preach. And and I think sometimes we look around us and we go, well, you know, modern day, it's just not the culture anymore. It never was. Yeah. <laughs> we need to share the gospel with people and stop thinking, well, it, it just used to be what they expected. No, it, they didn't expect it then. They don't expect it today. We're going to have to share the gospel with people. Yeah, you, you have a state church in England at the time, and so you need to be licensed. And, you know, preaching is to go on in government-recognized churches. You know, for the most for the most part, and uh, so it was very scandalous at the time for Whitfield to do that. And and Whitfield, I believe, actually, we should give a mention here. I think he, I think it's Hal Harris uh, from Wales that that was doing this before Whitfield. Mm-hmm. And so Whitfield didn't just come up with it; he's influenced most likely by Hal Harris, but he is certainly a pioneer. In this, and it's almost like the question, like, can we even do this? Well, okay, we're doing it, you know. And and as Christians, remember this: Jesus says, you know, Matthew twenty-eight, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. So I, I make this joke, but you know, it's like the uh, what's that show, Parks and Rec, 
the guy's like, I have a permit, you know, I can do yeah. what I want. I can do what I yeah. want. That's well, right. Christian preachers, we walk around with a permit and it's not that we can do what we want. The permit is Christ is King. That's right. And, and all this is his. And so we go and we preach, we, we, we preach Christ. Well, we're, we're actually getting dangerously close to needing to kind of wind this one down. Um, what else oh, we're going to have to have Wes, we got to have, we got to have to have you back again. We have to have another episode. We're, we, I think we're going to have to have at a, least an one, at least more. one more. Cause I think we've got to have a whole episode discussing, um, Whitfield and Wesley's relationship as brothers, because to me, it's one of it's one of the most instruct helpful instructions, maybe for us and how we deal with brothers that we disagree with, because I know that we're we especially with West, some of the teachings that we would disagree strongly with with Wesley that go even further than just election and still how Whitfield was able to um to keep a personal friendship. I, I just think that, I think that we'll have to, we've got to spend some time dealing with that more time than we have right now. What, what point did we get on your outline there, Wes? Uh, maybe point three to three and a half. <laughs> so not even, <laughs> not even halfway through three, huh? I want to, uh, yeah, there, I mean, so, uh, Whitfield and Wesley's, relationship but what feels just general attitude toward all believers and, and christians uh and the, and the charity and the he's the the catholic spirit uh not roman catholic but uh universal the, the universal spirit that he had and carried with him in a day where that was very much not the case you know when and he's preaching in, in presbyterian circles and baptists and you know anyone who would uh who would hear him uh, his his humility in response to the controversy with Wesley and uh, and how John didn't uh, respond to that in a in a, in a Christian way and Whitfield's response is just an amazing example of humility where he says mm -hmm. let the name of Whitfield perish and I also think it's important in biography to to see and show how God uses us in our weakness I think Whitfield's weakness comes out. Uh, in his marriage, uh, in, in one way and, uh, uh, and just confusion on that and, and how to prioritize that. I, I wouldn't encourage young men to go study Whitfield's marriage relationship and emulate that and emulate the priorities that he laid out there. Uh, but God still uses Whitfield. And, uh, and I think he's a excellent example of finishing faithfully. Man. Amen. Well, Let's say then on this episode, we have, and we've covered a lot, but let's say we've really gotten to Whitfield's preaching. We haven't brought him over to the colonies officially yet. We've mentioned some mm -hmm. things, but there's lots of things to mention about his coming to the colonies, mm -hmm. his orphanage, his relationship with Benjamin Franklin, his meeting with Jonathan Edwards, preaching there, his... Um, and, and then just the response from the, in fact, let me just read this that way I can, I had this pulled up. What was it like for Whitfield to preach? Well, here's a famous, uh, recollection from a farmer named Nathan Cole, who wrote this in his journal. 
uh, he was in the colonies when he heard Whitfield preach. He said, when I saw Mr. Whitfield come upon the scaffold, he looked almost angelical, a young, slim, slender youth before some thousands of people with a bold, undaunted countenance. And my hearing how God was with him everywhere as he came along, it solemnized my, in my mind and put me into a trembling fear before he began to preach. For he looked as if he was clothed with authority from the great God and a sweet solemnity set upon his brow. And my hearing him preach gave me a heart wound. By God's blessing, my old foundation was broken up. And I saw that my righteousness would not save me. So you want to know what it was like to hear Whitfield? That's an example. So let's say then we've stopped with Whitfield in England and we'll get him over to the colonies more formally and officially in our next episode, whenever that may be, whenever we can, we can work it out again. We appreciate you listening to these episodes on Whitfield. We hope it's been beneficial and encouraging to you. And you'll do some study on, on this great man of faith in your own time. Anything else, Wes? I just thank you so much for, for uh, allowing me on here. Y'all great brothers. And I uh, appreciate your, your friendship and, and your ministry. Y'all are so encouraging to me. So I, I just uh, want to say thank you. We appreciate you, Doctor. Take us out, Eddie. See you guys next week. If, if you really believe the church is the building, the church is the house, the church is what God's doing. This, this is His work. If we really believe what Ephesians says, we are the poemos, the masterpiece of God. How are you going to respond? <laughs>